implications of truth deniers taking power. That is a topic we'll discuss today right here on the Christian Worldview Radio Program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host, and our website is thechristianworldview.org. After a a long and contentious election cycle that took place in the midst of a viral pandemic and social unrest, and one which included allegations of widespread voting fraud and a breach of the Capitol during a rally for President Trump, Democrat Joe Biden was sworn in this past Wednesday as the 46th president of the United States. Now, in his inaugural address, Biden stressed the need for, quote, unity in our divided nation. This from a man whose political party, the Democratic Party, has labeled Trump and his supporters white supremacists who need to be, quote, deprogrammed. Now, with this new administration in power, not only is unity highly unlikely, but also an honoring of truth is highly unlikely, as defined by God in his word. Those on the left are fond of calling those who oppose their godless, humanistic worldview, quote, deniers, as in you're a science denier if you don't believe in evolution. Uh, You're a climate denier if you don't believe in man-caused climate change. And you're an election denier for those who question the integrity of this past election. Now, while the Republican Party certainly does not hold the corner on truth, only God does, the Democratic Party has become the party of truth deniers. How so? And what are the implications of this truth denial for our country? Well, I'm glad you joined us today as we discuss that topic. But before we get to that, I want to start out by just making a clarification. We had some email feedback of some who were wondering what Pastor Tom Pennington was saying last week with regard to Christians believing and passing on conspiracy theories. I think some people assumed he was saying allegations of election fraud were conspiracy theories. So I'm going to play that soundbite again and then follow up with some comments on it. We should respond with confirmed truth, not conspiracy theories. It saddens me that so many Christians believe and pass on rampant conspiracy theories. Let me say it as frankly as I can. Biblical Christianity is inherently inconsistent with conspiracy theories. Why is that? Because of the standard of justice that God himself lays down in his word. To establish personal guilt, God demands that there be witnesses and Not merely evidence, there was false evidence raised against Christ at his trial. There must be the kind of evidence that will stand up in court, not the suspicions and conjectures circulated on social media. If you believe and pass along conspiracy theories that accuse people of crimes without the kind of evidence that God demands, I don't see any way around it but that you are sinning against that person and against the Lord. Because to believe, post, or repost such accusations is to bear false witness and violates the ninth commandment. Exodus 20 verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Again, that was Pastor Tom Pennington of Countryside Bible Church in Texas. And 
I really couldn't find anything biblically wrong. I thought it was biblically right, actually, what he said about Christians should have evidence and eyewitnesses and not be passing along falsehoods. That's absolutely true. But I think the assumption was he was talking about the issue of election fraud, and I'm not really sure that's what he was doing. What he actually referred to was Christians passing along conspiracy theories. I looked up the definition of what a conspiracy theory actually is. I think there's an assumption out there that a conspiracy theory is necessarily false, but that's not what the definition is. The definition is a theory that rejects the standard explanation for an event and instead credits a covert group or organization with carrying out a secret plot. Or another definition is the idea that many important political events or economic and social trends are the products of deceptive plots that are largely unknown to the general public. So in those definitions, it does not imply that conspiracy theories are necessarily true or false, although I think they are mostly assumed to be mostly false. There might be kernels of truth that people believe, and therefore they believe the bigger narrative of the conspiracy theory, which is false. My own definition, as I think of a conspiracy theory, would be an alternate perspective to the mainstream view or a majority accepted view of something that happened. Now, Tom Pennington didn't specify that election fraud was the conspiracy theory he was talking about. Now, earlier in this message, he had talked about the Capitol riot and what led to the Capitol riot. And here's that soundbite, which I think gives some context. But at the same time, it's important for us to acknowledge that it is not just those who entered the Capitol who are responsible for this national tragedy. Their actions were fueled by reckless, divisive rhetoric. Public officials on both sides of the aisle, including our president, and millions of our citizens who have posted and reposted angry incendiary accusations on social media for years, all of them share alike responsibility for what transpired. And they bear responsibility for the fruit of their words. We understand that legally as well as biblically. If you walk into a building and cry fire, you are responsible for the outcome of those words. Okay, so the context of what he said about conspiracy theories probably was not related to election fraud, but maybe more the theories around why the Capitol riots, the riot at the Capitol took place. Now, this is where I diverge from what the point he made here. I, I don't believe that it is fair to say that all sides share in what happened at the Capitol. Uh, people are responsible for their own actions. Uh, the people responsible for the riots are the ones who rioted, not other rally goers who came there peaceably, not people who even post strong views on social media. Uh, there's a reason that incitement is a legal definition. The, the essence of the law of incitement, legal definition here is that a person, the inciter, urges another person or persons to commit a criminal offense. You say to someone, "You let's go to the Capitol, let's breach through, and let's take over government. That's incitement. You could say that Social media posts, of course, in our divided country, lead to division in our country, leads to an anger and so forth. But incitement is a completely different story. That That is 
prosecutable. We have talked about previously that President Trump did lay out his viewpoint for voting fraud in this past election in that speech at the Capitol, but he never incited anyone to commit a crime over it. We won't go over that again. He said peacefully and patriotically walk or march to the Capitol. And some people, a group of people, did what they had decided to do, and they created a criminal offense by breaching the Capitol. So I'm not sure exactly what conspiracy theory Tom Pennington's referring to, but I'm going to guess in light of what he said in this recent soundbite, which I didn't play last week, that is the general left versus right battles that you see taking place online all the time, whether on Facebook or Twitter and elsewhere. So the left puts out these conspiracy theories during the Trump administration for four years that uh, Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to gain the presidency and he's a Russian agent and so forth. Well, that, that was just found out to be a complete hoax. And on the right, uh, maybe he's referring to uh, the more extreme versions of election fraud allegations that are that cannot and are not, have not been proved. Or that another one that I heard recently that before the inauguration that Donald Trump was going to somehow swoop in uh, right before the inauguration of Joe Biden and, and remain president. He's a perfect example of a conspiracy theory, a false conspiracy theory that I received via email and says this, you can spread this uh, direct from high up military. According to the latest schedule, everything will be exposed sometime between Sunday afternoon and Monday night. This is right before inauguration day, the Sunday and Monday before inauguration day. The timer has been set for those two particular days. During that time, the EBS, the emergency broadcast system, will be activated. President Trump will send out a message. My fellow Americans, the storm is upon us. There will be seven presidential text messages sent from him via Air Force One following the message, the storm is upon us. That puts us under full global martial law via the EBS, the electronic or the emergency broadcast system. On authorized devices, there will be an eight-hour video played three times a day for 10 days straight with video confessions of high-profile elite individuals being exposed for their crimes against humanity at their military tribunals. While the movie is being played, 500,000-plus people will be taken down worldwide. This repeating movie will be extremely painful for most of us because it involves people we thought we could trust committing unthinkable crimes. We understand that no one will be allowed to leave their residence until completion. During this moment in history, we'll, we will transition to Gemara Nisara. I'm not even sure what that means. I didn't look it up. But anyway, there will be a full rewiring of planet Earth. It is our understanding that media and Internet will be shut down. This is not a transition from President Trump to Biden. It is a transition that President Trump, in conjunction with the military, have composed restoring things back to we the people. Now you know why General Flynn was pardoned. He's a key asset to this entire process. We are preparing for a brand new future where humanity is free from the constraints of former powers. There will finally be a world free of division amongst the people. Everyone must understand this is serious. So please have enough food, water, batteries, and necessities for the duration of 10 days. It is better to be safe than sorry. You are receiving this message to give you ample time to prepare for what is coming next. Please send this information to others. They need innocent people out of the way. 
That was an actual email that I, I received before Inauguration Day. And I don't think that's probably something that maybe some of you probably saw something like it, that things that were going, other conspiracy theories taking place, like Chinese troops were assembled, uh, thousands of them on the Canadian and Mexican borders, that the Pope was arrested, and that, or that with regard to the Capitol riots, that Antifa was solely responsible uh, for the, the Capitol riots. They were the one that were in there dressed all as Trump supporters and agitating, doing everything. Now, granted, there have been some left-wing people who were doing that, but to say they all were Antifa, that they were solely responsible is, again, a leap much too far. And as I thought about conspiracy theories, I thought about the resurrection of Christ. That You, you could really consider that to be a, a conspiracy theory. You know, you read back in the Gospel of, of Matthew about the resurrection of Christ and where that passage goes, it, it turns into a conspiracy theory uh, that actually gets flipped. It says in Matthew 28, now after the Sabbath, which was Saturday, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his, the angel's appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards who were guarding the tomb shook from fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said, come see the place where he was lying. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they, the women, left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, rejoice. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, go bring word to my brothers to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. Now, while they were on their way, some of the men from the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests, the religious leaders, all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. And here's the conspiracy theory. And they said, you are to say, here's an alternate version of reality. His disciples came at night and stole him while we were asleep. And if this arises to the governor's ears, we will appease him and keep you out of trouble. Verse 15, Matthew 28. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story, this conspiracy theory, was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day, at the time of the, the writing of the gospel. So the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders at the time of Christ started a false conspiracy theory to counteract the actual truth that Christ had risen from the dead. And it became so accepted amongst the people that it actually flipped things that the actual resurrection of Christ turned into a conspiracy theory. Those who believed, oh, you're believing conspiracy theories about this man, Jesus, who apparently rose from the dead. Ha, ha, ha. But here's the truth with evidence, as, as the Bible requires. The, the, the evidence and the eyewitnesses. 1 Corinthians 15, for I, Paul writes, for I handed down to you 
as of first importance what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. The Christian Worldview with David Wheaton returns in just a moment. David Wheaton here, host of The Christian Worldview. For over 15 years, our mission has been to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We pursue that mission on air through radio programs, in person hosting events, and online through audio, video, and print resources. We are an all-volunteer ministry, but have monthly operating expenses, the most significant being the cost of airtime on the station, website, or app on which you hear the radio program. We are looking for monthly partners so that each station or website is supported by its own listeners. The level of financial support for a given outlet is a key decision point whether we continue paying to broadcast there. To become a monthly partner of any amount, call us toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Thank you for listening to and supporting The Christian Worldview. The new year has brought new features to the Christian Worldview radio program. First, good news for those who don't have an affiliate station in their area and those who subscribe to our free podcast. The latest program will now be available at our website, thechristianworldview.org, or via our podcast feed at 8 a.m. Central Time on Saturdays. Short takes will also be released on Mondays following the weekend airing of the program. These bite-sized highlights are great for those who don't have time to listen to the full 54-minute broadcast. Short takes can be heard at our website, podcast feed, and our social media pages on Facebook and YouTube. For more updates, program previews, and resources, be sure to sign up for our free weekly email by visiting thechristianworldview.org or calling 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233 or visiting thechristianworldview.org. Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. Now, here's David Wheaton. The resurrection of Christ is actually a fairly simple requirement for verification. There was a dead man. Is that dead man now alive? Has anyone seen him? Well, multiple eyewitnesses saw the empty tomb, and then he appeared to many people over a a time of 40 days, including, as this passage says, more than 500 people at one time. That would stand up in any court of law, and that's why the resurrection of Christ is not a conspiracy theory at all. It is the truth. Now, there have been so many modern-day conspiracy theories. Uh, You've all heard of these. You know, who killed John F. Kennedy, President Kennedy? That's sort of the the mother of all conspiracy theories for for a certain era in America. Was it Lee Harvey Oswald, the guy who actually shot him? Or was he an agent of Russia or Cuba? Uh, Or was it the U.S. government who shot JFK? Or was it globalists? 
Or how many shooters were there? Were there one or two? And what about that bullet that went into him and kind of went sideways and turned around and went backwards and made a U-turn? So there's all sorts of conspiracy theories about that particular assassination of the president. Of course, there's 9-11, the hijacking of the airplanes flying into the Twin Towers in New York. Uh, The conspiracy theory there that that was perpetrated not by the Islamists, who they have pictures of entering the airports and flying the airplanes, but that was perpetrated by the U.S. government. So the planes flew into buildings, but and the conspiracy theory goes that, but certainly planes flying into buildings wouldn't f- cause them to fall in demolition style, where they just went straight down. And maybe there's some truth from that. I'm not an engineer. Or how did Building 7 in the complex there go down by itself? Nothing, nothing even touched that building. You can go online and you can watch that video. And it is. It's remarkable. How did that building fall down? The two big ones fell down. Then like an hour later, building seven goes down. How did that go down? Was it were they rigged with explosives? Why was that never brought out in the 9-11 report? I mean, what's going on here? Another one that during the Obama administration where there was the birth certificate, where was President Obama born? Another conspiracy theory. Was he born in Kenya, the land of his father, or was he born in Hawaii? Because if he was born in Kenya, you can't be a a foreign-born person and become president. And this was strung out for years. And President Trump was actually one who was really on top of this one, saying that Obama was not born in America. And then finally, an image of a birth certificate was released, produced, and fake or true. We don't know. But that was another conspiracy that went on for years in this country. Another recent one is this QAnon uh, conspiracy theory that there is an elite political class in the world that is that is characterized by a a pedophile sex trafficking ring. And I actually don't know much about this one. I haven't really looked into it that much. And I probably have no doubt that some of the world's elite are pedophiles. But who knows to what extent? But it's a very pervasive conspiracy theory, which then brings us finally to where we are today with these election fraud allegations. And this is turning into a conspiracy theory because the mainstream of the country, the mainstream media is already accepting the election as fair. It's like the news cycle's over and people are just moving on. And and the further we get away from this incident, this election, the less likely of consensus and evidence being brought forth uh, to come available to prove it one way or the other. And that's actually very tragic for such an important issue as election integrity. I mean, this, like we've mentioned, the this would be the biggest crime in U.S. history if the election were fraudulently tipped to Joe Biden. And it's one that destroys the very foundation of our representative republic where people get a vote to to vote for who they want to represent them. So, It's been accepted that the voting rules were changed because of COVID. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's known uh, to make it easier to vote during the pandemic. But, of course, that made it very ripe for fraud with millions of ballots being sent out. You know, who's collecting them? You know, can you copy them? And there's these drop boxes. And so there's certainly a lot of room for fraud in the way election voting procedures were, were changed. But the question is, Are all these allegations of fraud that President Trump made on January 6th, are they actually true? Was there enough fraud to change the outcome of the election? So I went back and I looked through that speech again that I've been mentioning uh, the last couple of weeks in the program. I just pulled out about about 15 things, allegations that President Trump made uh, with what he presented as evidence of 
of voting fraud. She said in every single swing state, local officials, state officials, almost all Democrats made illegal and unconstitutional changes to election procedures without the mandated approvals by the state legislatures, that these changes paved the way for fraud on a scale never seen before. And that's what we just mentioned. So changes to election procedures took place that had never been done before. And then he goes into all the different evidences of them. Now, I'm not going to list all of them because some of them are duplicated by the state. It's going to give you a flavor of them. In Pennsylvania, the president said, the Democrat secretary of state and the Democrat state Supreme Court justices illegally abolished the signature verification requirements just 11 days prior to the election. There were over 205,000 more ballots counted in Pennsylvania than you had voters. Over 8,000 ballots in Pennsylvania were cast by people whose names and dates of birth match individuals who died in 2020 and prior to the election. Over 14,000 ballots were cast by out-of-state voters. More than 10,000 votes in Pennsylvania were illegally counted, even though they were received after Election Day. And more than 60,000 ballots in Pennsylvania were reported received back before they were ever supposedly mailed out. 25,000 ballots in Pennsylvania were requested by nursing home residents, all in a single giant batch. That's not legal. The day before the election, the state of Pennsylvania reported the number of absentee ballots that had been sent out. Yet this number was suddenly and drastically increased by 400,000 people. He moves over to Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, corrupt Democrat-run cities deployed more than 500 illegal, unmanned, unsecured drop boxes, which collected a minimum of 91,000 unlawful votes. They have these lock boxes and they pick them up and they disappear for two days. In addition, he goes on to say over 170,000 absentee votes were counted in Washington without a valid absentee ballot application. That's illegal in Wisconsin, he writes or says. According to eyewitness testimony, Postal service workers in Wisconsin were also instructed to illegally backdate approximately 100,000 ballots. I'm going to skip down to Michigan. In Wayne County, that's Detroit, 174,000 ballots were counted without being tied to an actual registered voter. At 6.31 in the morning, in the early morning hours after voting had ended, Michigan suddenly reported 147,000 votes. An astounding 94% of those went to Joe Biden. And here's about the Dominion voting machines. In one Michigan county alone, 6,000 votes were switched from Trump to Biden, and the same systems are used in the majority of states in our country. Uh, Senator William Ligon, chairman of Gen- uh, Georgia Senate Judiciary Subcommittee, wrote, and I quote, The Dominion voting machines employed in Fulton County, Georgia, had an astronomical and astounding 93.67% error rate. It's wrong 93% of the time, the president said. The letter from William Ligon continues, there is clear evidence that tens of thousands of votes were switched from President Trump to former Vice President Biden in several counties in Georgia. And then finally, the president concludes this by saying, they said it's not American to challenge the election. This is the most corrupt election in the history, maybe of the world. This is not just a matter of domestic politics. This is a matter of national security. So today, in addition to challenging the certification of the election, again, he was giving this on January 6th, right before the Capitol riot. I'm calling on Congress and the state legislators to quickly pass sweeping election reforms. And you better do it before we have no country left. Today is not the end. It's just the beginning. 
Now, as you can see, I ran through that pretty quickly, but the allegations he made are long. And in my opinion, I think they're very compelling, certainly worthy of a massive investigation in this country. Now, Trump, granted, he could be lying. He could be exaggerating. He's known to be an exaggerator. After all, there would be motive for him to do so. He's the president and wants to retain his position of power. On the other hand, I certainly don't believe the Democratic Party, who has done nothing but lie about President Trump and is the party of deception, as we're going to get into in in a minute. They keep on repeating, there's nothing to see here. This was the fairest election in history. That's not too surprising they'd say that. So I will state my position again. I personally believe there was widespread fraud, maybe enough, likely enough, possibly to, to flip the election to Biden. But at the same time, as I've mentioned in the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't stake my life in eternity on it like I do on the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and Savior of mankind, because I have some questions about all this, all these allegations of fraud. Why haven't there been widespread arrests if there is so much uh, voting fraud? Why haven't there been legal victories that prove fraud changed the outcome of the election? Why are the, I guess there was something like a thousand sworn affidavits from for witnesses. Why aren't they compelling enough to hold legal cases all over the country? Why aren't Republicans conducting investigations in their states or Congress like they did for the 9-11 attack that was called the 9-11 Commission? Why aren't those, why aren't those investigations all over the place? Why are the president's main supporters in the media? like uh, Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson and Rush Limbaugh, people who have really highly supported the president and who kind of probably know what's going on behind the scenes. Why are they not continuing to to pound the drum that there was election fraud if, if there actually was? I mean, if this is true, this is not a story that you can just kind of let go. And let's, that's yesterday's news cycle. We have to move on to today. And finally, another question is, well, now that Trump is out of office, is he going to take this up now? in court and win. I mean, he has the the information, apparently, as president. He's got the money to be able to take this up. Uh, Will he take this up now in court, and will he be able to win court cases? So those are the questions I have. I I see all the evidence he gives, but then I also have questions, and then those questions need to be answered before I would stake my life in eternity on the fact that the election was stolen. It's going to remain a debatable conspiracy theory, to call it that. It's going to be an an alternate version of the accepted mainstream view now until it can be proven in a court of law. And if it's not litigated, there needs to be some sort of large-scale investigation by a credible organization proving evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. And so now to circle way back to the point I was making about Tom Pennington is that in light of all this, his point is, don't believe things or share things as, quote, the truth when something hasn't been proven as the truth. So someone may be totally convinced, but the bottom line is no one has legally proved that there was widespread voting fraud that tipped the election to Biden. And if you could prove it, you would. You would be taking it to court or to your maybe your elected representative, and you would be able to prove it. And I hope you can and do prove it because you would do a a great favor to the country and you will be thanked for saving the country if you were able to do it. But unless you're at that point, I think we all need to give each other a little bit of grace 
to have people reach their own conclusions. And not only that, but we're all going to have to face reality here that as of this past uh, Wednesday, Joe Biden is now president, whether fraudulently or not. And barring some miracle, he is not going to be removed from office and President Trump reinstituted as president. So has my confidence in the voting system in this country been diminished? For sure. Am I going to continue to vote? Absolutely. Just in case there's not as much fraud as I believe there was in this past election. And the big priority should be to secure the next election. If we can't figure out what happened in this one, what we better work on, our representatives better work on securing the next election. But there's even a bigger priority than that for the believer. It's, it's what Christians know to be true for sure. We're trying to find the truth on the election integrity, but Christians know the truth for sure that is found in God's word and the truth of our call to be ambassadors in the Great Commission, to, to spread the gospel and to, to live sanctified lives. We know that for sure. That's what the truth of the Word of God says. And so we need to be very careful. We don't let the political world, political battles, these kinds of left and right arguments be a distraction from that most important issue. Because when we're dealing with the events and perspectives of man, we really aren't on solid ground because there are these kind of shades and degrees of truth. But when we are dealing with the word of God, we know we are on the solid ground of absolute truth. As Jesus prayed to his father in John 17, he said, sanctify them in the truth. He's talking about his disciples. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The Christian Worldview with David Wheaton returns in just a moment. The new year has brought new features to the Christian Worldview radio program. First, good news for those who don't have an affiliate station in their area and those who subscribe to our free podcast. The latest program will now be available at our website, thechristianworldview.org, or via our podcast feed at 8 a.m. Central Time on Saturdays. Short takes will also be released on Mondays following the weekend airing of the program. These bite-sized highlights are great for those who don't have time to listen to the full 54-minute broadcast. Short Takes can be heard at our website, podcast feed, and our social media pages on Facebook and YouTube. For more updates, program previews, and resources, be sure to sign up for our free weekly email by visiting thechristianworldview.org or calling 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233 or visiting thechristianworldview.org. There's an abundance of Christian resources available, but the reality is that many of them, even some of the most popular, do not lead to a sound and strong faith. While there's only one perfect book, a key aim of the Christian worldview is to identify and offer resources that are biblically faithful and deepen your walk with God. In our online store, we have a wide range of resources for all ages, adult and children's books and DVDs, Bibles and devotionals, unique gifts, and more. So browse our store at thechristianworldview.org and find enriching resources for yourself, family, friends, small group, or church. You can also order by calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233. Or visit thechristianworldview.org. 
back to The Christian Worldview. Now, here's David Wheaton. Now, which brings us really to a, a long introduction to our topic of the day about truth. What are the implications of these truth deniers, the Biden administration, taking power? And as I mentioned at the opening of the program, Christians and conservatives are often called deniers. We're election deniers because you doubt the accuracy, the integrity of the election. You're a science denier if you believe in creationism. Uh, You're a climate denier if you don't go along with the radical environmentalism of the day. Uh, As if if Christians deny, quote-unquote, settled truth. But, of course, it's just the opposite. Christians are not deniers of truth. We are lovers of truth, and we have the truth in the Word of God. And it's just the opposite. The left are actually the truth deniers. They deny the truth that God created the heavens and the earth and that he reigns over it. They deny the truth that the Bible is true. They deny the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. They deny the truth of the humanity, the personhood of the unborn. They deny the truth of, of, the, of marriage that God instituted as between one man and one woman. They deny the truth of, of human nature, that man doesn't have a morally good human nature, but rather a sinful human nature. And they deny the truth of, of gender and morality. And that was one of the first things, by the way. They deny all those truths, but that's, the last one was one of the first things that the incoming president, Biden, did on his first day, according to the NRB report, National Religious Broadcasters, on Wednesday, the day he was inaugurated, President Biden issued several executive orders, including one extending anti-discrimination laws on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. This executive order directly targets people of faith and religious organizations. Under this order, all federal agencies are required to include, quote, sexual orientation and, quote, gender identity in their definitions of sex regarding any policy that opposes sex discrimination. This is what Biden said in the executive order, quote, children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restroom, the locker room or school sports. Adults should be able to earn a living and pursue a vocation, knowing they will not be fired, demoted or mistreated because of whom they go home to or because how they dress does not conform to sex based stereotypes. It's cross dressing. People should be able to access health care and secure a roof over their heads without being subjected to sex discrimination. That's what Joe Biden said in the executive order. So there you have it, just a complete denial of the truth of God's word with regards to morality, sexuality, and also gender. So not only do they deny the truth, but they constantly lie about it, they deceive about it, they euphemize it, you know, you see how the euphemism's in there. You know, who could be against children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they'd be denied access to the restroom. Well, boy, I didn't know children were denied access to the restroom. Well, what they're talking about there is if a boy wants to go into the girl's room, girl's restroom, he should be able to do that. And you should have nothing to be able to say about it. This is exactly what our country is in for. And this is what we've already seen, just even as the Trump administration goes out after the Capitol riots. There's been the libelous falsehood that Trump himself and, by extension, his supporters are white supremacists. And this was brought up in the inaugural address by now President Biden, where he urges unity in the country. But listen to how he gets there and who he demonizes in the process. A cry for racial justice 
some 400 years in the making, moves us. The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. A cry for survival comes from planet itself. A cry that can't be any more desperate or any more clear. And now, a rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism that we must confront and we will defeat. Now, who do you think he's referring to there? Now, there always has to be an enemy, right? The, the enemy has to be who the new person in power is going to overcome and be the savior. Uh, for the right, when President Trump was in power, it was the socialists on the left uh, with, I think, a very accurate view of what they want to do to the country. But now that President Biden is in office, the enemy is these white supremacists on the right that must be defeated. To overcome these challenges, to restore the soul and secure the future of America requires so much more than words. It requires the most elusive of all things in a democracy. Unity. Unity. Unity based on what? Unity has to be based on shared ideals. And in his first day in office, he immediately signed his priorities, his executive orders, overturning much of what President Trump signed into law by his executive orders. He reentered the Paris Climate Agreement for the U.S. to be in that, which is just a big redistribution of wealth from our country to, to foreign countries. I think he's going to be back in the Iranian agreement, which was just horrible for this country. He's going to stop construction of the, the border wall, which Donald Trump was doing. So there's going to be all kinds of immigrants coming over because he's not going to be deporting anyone out of the country. Illegal aliens are going to be given amnesty in this country. And he also canceled the Keystone Pipeline, which is a, a huge energy uh, source source of jobs and energy for our country. Matter of fact, during the Trump administration, our country was, for the first time in maybe in my lifetime, energy independent. We didn't have to rely on foreign countries for our energy. We're actually exporting energy. I mean, why wouldn't you want your country like that? And so he's doing all these typical leftist, globalistic policies. And he tries to sell them as somehow helping America when we all know this is not going to help America. Matter of fact, he doesn't even want them to help America. He wants the existing America to be transformed into their new leftist version of America. And of course, none of these policies are going to lead to any unity with those on the right because they're just diametrically opposed in worldview to everything the left has to offer. And never has the division been wider because never have the political parties been further apart ideologically. And on this issue of unity, on the Sean Hannity program, he had a very sort of entertaining video of what Joe Biden was saying in his inaugural address by what other members of his home party are saying about Trump and Republicans. My whole soul is in this bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. With unity, we can do great things, important things. The president is a racist and he is a demagogue. That is just a fact. For without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury. This administration is behaving like a bunch of thugs and gangsters. 
We must end this uncivil war. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our Constitution uh, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with their allies in the Congress of the United States. We can do this if we open our souls instead of hardening our hearts. The question is, how are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump? So Joe Biden's words on unity is just lip service because he doesn't believe it. People in his own party don't believe it and they don't really want it. It's just apparently to make people in the middle feel good or something. There will not be unity in this country with such a leftist, godless, humanistic, truth-denying worldview that this Democratic Party has, especially considering that many millions of people in this country don't even think he's a legitimate president. But what's actually taking place is the opposite of an outreach for unity. They're trying to paint Trump and those who support him as white supremacists, and they're being pretty successful at it. The accusation goes that Trump incited, quote-unquote incited, an overthrow of the government, and those who support him are supporting him in white supremacy and insurrection. They're, they're so out of the mainstream that they should never be voted for again. They need to be marginalized to the edges of society, even criminalized. You're hearing the charge now that people on the right are domestic terrorists. And so they'll use that, not for unity, that's not coming, but as an excuse to crack down. That's why there were 25,000 National Guard troops in D.C. I mean, I thought the Democrats didn't like militaristic police and shows of force and people walking around with guns. They wanted to defund the police. Oh, when it came to the inauguration, they want to be protected by the police. And they're very willing to limit free speech on the Internet and elsewhere to ostracize people, take away their guns and, and really demonize them. And so they're in perpetual power. So. What are the implications of the these truth deniers coming in power? Well, there's just a long list here, and there's going to be things beyond even our ability to imagine because the unregenerate mind knows no bottom. And the regenerate mind, I don't think, can understand fully uh, the depths to which the, which the unregenerate mind will go. So there's going to be – you're going to go from uh, President Trump, who was uh, you know, America first, nationalism – Make America great again to globalism. That's why uh, President Biden's re-entered us into the, the Paris Climate Agreement right away. That's why he's going to allow all untold immigration. The XL pipeline, we don't want to be energy independent anymore. We want to be a global country, not a national power, a global part of the global community. There's going to be a change from individual liberties to collective Values and collective pa values are all based on identity politics and division. So you you put them into certain groups and have them have grievances, e even the way he chose Kamala Harris. He chose her specifically because she was a woman and he said so. He wanted the female vice president. So there's identity politics. And of course, because she's black and because she comes from South a Asian heritage, that was a bonus. That's more identity points onto it. That's collective value. That's reaching out to people based on superficial things like skin color, melanin in their skin. This is also going to be the implications are also going to be it's going to be a change from biblical morality, generally speaking, under the Trump administration, not totally, to really what you can only describe as moral perversion. It's going to be LGBTQ full on 
all the time. He's already changed the the White House website to have when you fill out a, a, a contact form field, you can put in your quote preferred pronoun. Again, the truth denial that we can choose our gender. And so there's lots of implications for what kind of onslaught of leftism, uh, of godless humanism is going to be coming our way. And it's also deceived many who are professing evangelicals as well. I saw a tweet from Christian rapper Lecrae after the inauguration. Here's what he said. He said, feels good to be on the side, uh, the right side of history, which, of course, is the anti-racism pro-life from womb to tomb, care for the marginalized, anti-Christian nationalism, anti-abuse of power side. So he's obviously for Joe Biden. This is Christian rapper Lecrae, who was embraced, who has been embraced by so much of the evangelical community plays on the Christian radio stations and followed especially by uh, many of the younger evangelical generation. Just think of many people he influences uh, for his for his pro leftist worldview here clearly laid out in this tweet, even to the truth denialism of thinking the Democratic Party is more pro-life from the womb. Uh, That's really sad. And we're going to see where this whole influence goes with regards to the church. So in summary here, full on truth denial is ahead. We are going to see policies and laws we can't even imagine because the unregenerate mind just knows no bottom in their rejection of God and his word. But the Bible does contain some what should be fear inducing news for them, truth for them. It says in Revelation 21, verse 8, but for the cowardly, this is when when God creates the new heavens and the earth. Here's the, the judgment of God for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and sexually immoral persons and sorcerers and idolatries. And here's the key one and all liars, the truth deniers, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. That's from Revelation 21. And I would never wish that upon my worst enemy. But that's what the Bible says is ahead for truth deniers. And that doesn't just apply, by the way, to the Democratic Party or anyone who supports them. That applies to anyone who dies not having trusted in Christ as Savior, because you know what? We have all sinned, and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And that that sin separates us from God and puts us under his judgment that we read there in Revelation 21. But the good news, the gospel is that God sent his son to pay the penalty for our sin, so that when we believe in who he is, transfer our trust from our own good works to trusting in his good work on our behalf, God forgives us, And he promises to give us eternal life in heaven, not go to the lake of fire, which is the second death. No one should want to go there, but gives us eternal life in heaven. So just to conclude to say that, of course, Donald Trump and the GOP are not the embodiment of truth. They do not have the corner on truth. But the Democratic Party has become the party of truth deniers and deceivers. And now they're the ones holding political power. But there's a big but here. God still reigns in his word is still truth forever. It says in Isaiah 40, all flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. 
The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. The people, or leaders you could insert, are indeed grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word or the truth of the word of our God stands forever. And I know we've been focusing on current events here a lot recently in the program because there is so much going on and so much changing in the world right now with regards to COVID and racial division and this election and this worldview of this new administration. But I think as Christians, we need to learn to discern the times. We need to stand firm, as it says in Ephesians 6. We need to help others see and believe the truth. We don't want to be truth deniers. We want to be truth embracers from the truth of God's word. And we want to be especially clear about who God is and the gospel offer to them that they can be saved so they can stand firm and know what's ahead and what's coming. And next week, we'll talk more about what's ahead for this administration, this new country of truth denialism that we're in. You know, we do live in a a changing and challenging America. But take heart, Christian. Stand firm. Because there is one person and one thing we can always trust in and count on. Jesus Christ and his word are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Until next time. Stand firm and think biblically and live accordingly. The mission of the Christian worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program or to sign up for our free weekly email or to find out what must I do to be saved, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org or call us toll free at one 1- 888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported ministry and furnished by the Overcomer Foundation, a nonprofit organization. You can find out more, order resources, make a donation, become a monthly partner, and contact us by visiting thechristianworldview.org, calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233, or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly.